Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur Podcast, a post-Formula 1 race commentary podcast hosted by me, Humura Ruth. I hope you're doing well, but if for some reason life is not going as you'd like it to, I always say take it to the Lord in prayer and hopefully some Formula 1 will cheer you up. Welcome to today's podcast episode, which is about one of the most glamorous and prestigious Formula 1 races, the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. Now, if you're new here, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you become a subscriber. Please leave a review. And if you've been here for a while or from day one, thank you so much. All right, let's dive into it. Uh, I'm here for the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix race review, and I'm excited to do it because this is one of the most iconic Formula One races that we have on the calendar every year. Now, usually the Monaco Grand Prix is held in late May or early June. This year in 2022, it was held in late May. It was running from the 27th to the 29th of May, 2022. On the 27th of May, we had free practice session one and free practice session two. On the 28th of May, we had the free practice session three and the qualifying session. And then on the 29th of May, we had the race itself. Now, it's quite an interesting Grand Prix because it is the only Grand Prix that actually does not adhere to the FIA's mandated 305-kilometer minimum race distance for Formula 1 races. So, the Monaco Grand Prix slightly covers a shorter race distance compared to other tracks, but it is iconic. Interestingly, some people say, oh, they do not appreciate the Monaco Grand Prix because they feel like it's boring. You're not going to see so many overtakes there and everything. But then a lot of people love it because of the glamour, the prestige, and also the rich history that comes with racing in Monaco. The first time we had a car race in Monaco, I believe, was in 1929. And the first Grand Prix we had there was in 1950. So it is one of those oldest trucks on the on the calendar that we really, really do appreciate. Now, when we're, whenever we're in Monaco, we race in Circuit de Monaco. It is, like I say before, an exceptional circuit. It consists of the streets of Monte Carlo, the famous harbour, and La Conda Mine. Now, you have to bear with me. My French pronunciations are not necessarily the best, but nevertheless, I love it. Now, racing on Circuit de Monaco is really, really difficult because the circuit itself has many elevation changes. It has a number of tight corners and a tunnel. The tunnel adds excitement, but it makes it difficult to race there. In fact, three-time Formula One champion Nelson Piquet once said that racing in Monaco was like trying to circle around your living room. Can you imagine how hard that is? It is small, and you have to do the cycling there. But nevertheless, he also said that a win in Monaco was worth two anywhere else. When it comes to the track itself, it has low average speeds, but it is one of the most dangerous places to race in Formula 1 because of its narrowness. In fact, to me, I feel like Monaco and the Jeddah circuit, those are pretty dangerous circuits to race at. The last two races we had in Jeddah, the safety cars after safety cars after safety cars, I feel like Jeddah is dangerous, but it is exciting as well. The length of the circuit is 3.337 kilometers long, or if you prefer miles, that's 2.074 miles. We do 78 laps here, and the drivers cover a race distance of 260.286 kilometers. If you prefer miles, that is 161.734 miles. 
The circuit has 19 turns. And interestingly, I actually got the names of each and every one, each and every turn there. So let me try. Turn one is the Saint Devote turn. Turn two is Bay Rivage. Turn three is Massenet. Like I said before, my French pronunciations are awful. Then turn four is the Casino. Turn five is Mirabelhut. Turn six is the Fairmont Hairpin. Turn seven is Mirabel Bass. Turn eight is Portier, I believe. Turn nine is the Tunnel. Turn 10 and 11 is Novelle Chicane. Turn 12 is Tabac. Turn 13, 14 is Louis Chiron. Turn 15, 16 is Piscine. Turn 17 is Laras Cassie. Turn 18, 19 is Anthony Nose. So if I mispronounced any of those turns, I am really, really sorry for butchering that. When it comes to drivers that have won the most here, it is one of the greatest drivers of all times. May he rest in peace. The late Aiton Senna has won six times at the Monaco Grand Prix. How iconic is that? When it comes to teams that have won the most times here in Monaco, it is McLaren. In fact, last year on the podium at the end of the race, we had a McLaren driver there. It was London Norris who finished in third place. Before him was Carlos Sainz Jr. for Ferrari in second. And Max Verstappen won the race for Red Bull. Unfortunately, um... A Monagasque driver, Charles Leclerc, started on pole position but never got to take part in the race, which was quite devastating. And uh, that is a brief introduction, I believe, of the, of the Monaco Grand Prix. Now, let's take a short break, and when we return, we'll dive into the qualifying session and thereafter the race itself. Sorry for the interruption, but if you love Formula E Motorsports, you definitely will love my new podcast called Z Formula E Podcast, which is all about Formula E, what's happening in the races, what's happening in the tracks, what's with the drivers, and what Formula E embodies. So look for Z Formula E Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E Podcast. Also, I'm a woman with many passions, as you know. If you love Uganda, and you'd love to know more about Uganda, why not listen to my podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda? The podcast is called Z Humara Show, available on all podcasting platforms, or you can Google Z Humara Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One. Welcome back from that short break. Now let's take a quick look at the qualifying session for the Monaco Grand Prix. Now sometimes I get people on here who don't actually follow Formula 1. So sometimes I like to explain how certain things work in Formula 1 for the people who are new. But if you know Formula 1, please bear with me. So Formula 1 has a qualifying session that lasts an hour. In fact, the Grand Prix happens over three days. You have two practice sessions on Friday. Then you have a practice session on Saturday and a qualifying session as well. Then you have the race itself on Sunday. So qualifying session sets the grid for race day on Sunday. And the goal of qualifying is for the drivers to finish higher up on the grid in order to start closer to the front come race day on Sunday. So the qualifying session in Formula 1 lasts an hour. And that hour is split into three quarters. You have quarter 1, quarter 2, and quarter 3 which are constantly referred to as Q1, Q2, Q3. Now, in every quarter, the drivers go out onto the track and try to set the fastest times. Now, the driver with the fastest times lines up closer to the start of the race or on pole position, which is the very first place on the grid, 
and which gives you a better advantage come race day on Sunday because if you'd rather start a race at the front of the race, the front of the grid than at the back of the grid. So uh, in the first quarter of the qualifying session, you have 20 drivers go out onto the track, try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. And at the end of that Q1, the five slowest drivers are eliminated from proceeding into the second quarter of qualifying. In the second quarter of qualifying, which is known as Q2, you have 15 drivers. Because remember, in Q1, you eliminated five drivers out of 20 drivers on the grid. So in Q2, the 15 drivers go out onto the grid and do the same thing. Try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of Q2, the five slowest drivers are eliminated from proceeding further into the third uh, quarter of qualifying. When we go to Q3, you have 10 drivers now left. These 10 drivers go out and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of Q3, the, the grid for Sunday is lined up or organized in such a way, depending on how fast you are in Q3. So if in at the end of Q3, you set the fastest lap times of everybody of out of the 10 drivers, that means you take pole position. You line up in the first place on the grid, come the race on Sunday. If in Q3, you are second fastest, you line up in the second position. If in Q3, you are third fastest, you line up like that, like that. That is what qualifying does for Formula One. Now, here's a brief summary of what happened in qualifying for the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. In Q1, at the start of Q1, London Norris was in the lead with the fastest lap times. However, that changed eventually. We also had a red flag as Yuki Tsunoda, who belongs to Alpha Tori, hit the barrier and then suffered a puncture. In fact, there was debris all over the track. And because of that, partly because of that, Pierre Gasly, his teammate, was knocked out in two was knocked out in Q1. So the five drivers that were eliminated in Q1 were Joe Guanzu for Alfa Romeo, Nicolas Latifi for Williams Racing, Lance Stroll for Aston Martin, Pierre Gasly for Alfa Turi, and Alex Albon for Williams Racing. In Q2, Charles Leclerc went fastest just a tenth of a second ahead of Sergio Perez for a moment there. And the five drivers that were eliminated in Q2 were Yuki Tsunoda, for Alpha Turi, Valtteri Bottas for Alpha Romeo, Kevin Magnussen for Haas, Daniel Ricciardo for McLaren, Mick Schumacher for Haas. In Q3, Charles Leclerc continued to lead. This time, he was leading by two tenths of a second ahead of Carlos Sainz Jr. And in fact, at the end of Q3, he had managed to take pole position. Now, here are your results for the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix qualifying session. On pole position was Charles Leclerc. In second place was Carlos Sainz Jr., Sergio Perez qualified third, Max Verstappen qualified fourth, Landon Norris qualified fifth, George Russell qualified sixth, Fernando Alonso qualified seventh, Lewis Hamilton qualified eighth, Sebastian Vettel qualified ninth, Esteban Ocon qualified tenth, Yuki Tsunoda qualified twelfth, Valtteri Bottas qualified, sorry, Yuki Tsunoda qualified eleventh, Valtteri Bottas qualified twelfth. Kevin Magnussen qualified 13th, Daniel Ricciardo qualified 14th, Mick Schumacher qualified 15th, Alex Albon qualified 16th, Pierre Gasly qualified 17th, Lance Stroll qualified 18th, 19th place was Nicolas Latifi, and to round it up in 20th place was Joe Guanzu. Now let's take a short break, and when we return, I'll take you through the race itself. <laughs> 
Welcome back from that short break. Now, let me take you through the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix, the race itself. Now, the race was meant to begin at 3 p.m. Monaco time, but because there was a downpour, there was rain on the track, race control decided to delay the race for safety reasons. So there was a lot of spray on the track, there was water on the track, which is quite unusual because it we rarely have a wet Monaco Grand Prix. I don't actually really remember seeing one. Last year was dry. So anyway, the formation lap begins 20 minutes later than it was supposed to begin. And it begins behind the safety car. So actually during the formation lap, so the drivers are out into the track and we have drivers complaining that it's actually wet. Sebastian Vettel in ninth place says that there's heavy rain on the track. Daniel Ricciardo comes on radio and he's like, to be honest, it's wetter than I thought it would be. And certain drivers are talking about how wet it is and you can actually see on the screen that it's actually wet. So we have a few formation laps and then the cars are then immediately called into the pits because it was actually really, really wet on track. It was unsafe for the drivers. And remember, Monaco is narrow and it is one of the dangerous circuits on the on the calendar. At least I said that before earlier. In fact, even Christian Horner agreed on radio that it was too wet to have a race going. So the drivers are called into the pits and when they're in the pits, they can actually, they had the option of, you know, you know, changing your visor, changing your suit or anything that you wanted to change that was legal under the rules. Also, because we had done a number of formation laps and in Monaco, you race for 78 laps. That meant that the race itself would have to be done in fewer than 78 laps. The reason for that is because Formula 1 cars have the exact amount of fuel needed for a particular race. So if you're going to race for 78 laps, the fuel that you have in your car is literally exactly for 78 laps. Sorry. So the fact that they had done a number of laps, a number of formation laps meant that the number of race laps that they were going to do were going to be lesser so it could have so at the moment we're estimating that we could do 77 laps maybe one lap off so then we had the race resume about 45 minutes later so we had to wait and wait and wait and wait it's been one of the longest monaco grand prix i've ever watched so the race was resumed an hour later behind the safety car and we're going to do 77 laps so immediately, um, lap one, Nicolas Latifi in the Williams car uh, crashes into the barriers at the hairpin, which prompts yellow flags. Then Nicolas Latifi comes on radio and he says, you know, the car couldn't turn at all. I just went into the barriers. But by lap two, we couldn't be using a virtual safety car. So the real safety car came in. And then there was like literally at that particular moment, I thought it had dried up, but there was a lot of mist on the track as the cars were, you know, speeding off. They were raising a lot of water off the track. So it was like there was a lot of spray for the cars at the back of the grid uh, compared to the cars at the front of the grid. And uh, in that particular lap, I believe Mick Schumacher, Pierre Gasly and Nicolas Latifi had to go to the pits to change their tyres. We go to lap seven. Esteban Ocon managed to overtake Sebastian Vettel. So now Esteban Ocon was running in ninth place with Sebastian Vettel running in 10th place. Now, a few seconds later, Sebastian Vettel was called to the pits to box and so was Yuki Tsunoda in 11th, in 11th place. That was meant to cover Sebastian Vettel because Sebastian Vettel was ahead of Yuki Tsunoda. So naturally, if Yuki Tsunoda pitted, it would give him an advantage to cover Sebastian Vettel. Unfortunately, Yuki Tsunoda came out of the pits in 18th place. Sebastian Vettel came out of the pits in 16th place.
by lap 10 the 20 the last 10 drivers were Nicolas Latifi who was running in 20th place Lance Stroll was running in 19th place Yuki Tsunoda was running in 18th place Mick Schumacher was running in 17th place Sebastian Vettel was running in 16th place Pierre Gasly was running in 15th place Joe Guenzu was running in 14th place Alex Albon was running in 13th place Daniel Ricciardo was in 12th and Kevin Magnussen was in 11th so those were the last 10 drivers on the grid we get to lap 11 at Zandavut. Sebastian Vettel manages to overtake Alex Albon. Kevin Magnussen in the house is running in 11th place. He exceeds track limits at Nouvelle Chicane, which gives him an advantage over Daniel Ricciardo in 12th place. And if you know one of the Formula One rules is that uh, you're not supposed to exceed track limits. If you exceed track limits and gain an advantage over your opponent, then you're supposed to give the place back or you could suffer a penalty for that. We get to lap 12, Pierre Gasly, who is running in 14th place, and manages to overtake Joe Guenzo, who is running in 13th place. So Pierre Gasly again tries to overtake Daniel Ricciardo in 12th place at La Racast, but unfortunately he fails. So Pierre Gasly remains in 13th place, with Daniel Ricciardo remaining in 12th place. We get to lap 14. At the entry to the swimming pool, Pierre Gasly manages to overtake Daniel Ricciardo. So now Pierre Gasly is running in 12th place with Daniel Ricciardo running in 13th place. We get to lap 15. Carlos Sainz is running in 2nd place. Comes in the radio and tells his race engineer that they're going to have to switch to drier tyres. At that moment, the only drivers that had pitted were Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, Yuki Tsunoda, Lance Stroll and Nicolas Latifi. By the time we go to lap 16, Lewis Hamilton in 8th place decided to pit to get intermediate tyres and he came out of the pits in 9th place. Lap 18, Lando Norris in the McLaren as well boxed and he came out in 7th place. On that same exact lap, Mick Schumacher came on radio and said that he thought, he thinks, at that moment he thought that his front wing was broken. Now Mick Schumacher was running in 19th place. That same lap as well, Lewis Hamilton in 9th place and Esteban Ocon in 8th place make contact at Zandvoort. Lap 21, Carlos Sainz was leading the race in wet tyres. Sergio Perez was in 2nd place on intermediate tyres. Charles Leclerc was in 3rd place on intermediate tyres. Max Verstappen was in 4th place on intermediate tyres. George Russell was in 5th place on the wet tyres. Uh, Fernando Alonso was running in 6th place with wet tyres. Landon Norris was running in 7th place on the intermediate. Esteban Ocon was running in 8th place on wet tyres. Lewis Hamilton was running in 9th place on intermediate tyres. We get to lap 22. Sergio Perez is running in 1st place and his teammate Max Verstappen is in 2nd place. Both of them are called to pit. And Landon Norris also was running in 4th place, pit. Now, when they come out of the pits, Sergio Perez is running in first place. Behind him is Carlos Sainz Jr. in second place. Max Verstappen comes out of the pits in third place. And Charles Leclerc is in fourth place. Lap 23, Lewis Hamilton boxes again. And this time, he comes out in eighth place. Lap 26, um, Alex Albon, who's running in 19th place, gets a five-second time penalty for leaving the track and gaining advantage. Lap 26 still, Max Verstappen comes on radio and he says that he's smelling something burning. Whatever it was, I really don't know what he was smelling. Lap 27, Mick Schumacher winds up in the barriers along the entry to the swimming pool. So he crashes into the barriers and his car actually splits into half. 
So thankfully, he gets out of the car. He's safe. He's alive. And also his teammate, Kevin Magnuson, gets out of the race. So for a moment there, we get a virtual safety car until we get to lap 28 where we have to have a full safety car coming because there was a lot of debris on the track. The car had been split into two and the barriers were very damaged. We get to lap 38. The race is now red flagged. So we're supposed to get a rolling start. And at that particular moment, we again had to wait and wait until the marshes cleared the track of the debris until the barrier was somehow rebuilt and everything. So we waited and waited and waited. Now, when the race was restarted, we were on lap 31. Now, the race control gave uh, the race stewards gave permission to the lapped cars to unlap themselves behind the safety car because we had a race restart under the safety car. Lap 33, Esteban Ocon was given a five-second penalty for the collusion he had with Lewis Hamilton that I talked about earlier. Now, a few minutes later, we had a clock countdown begin and not a lap countdown. So you know how I always narrate Formula 1 and saying, lap 10, this is what happened. Lap 20, this is what happened. Lap 33, Esteban Ocon got a five-second penalty. This time around, we had a clock countdown. And the reason for that is that in Formula 1, according to the rules, a race is supposed to take place within three hours. After three hours, the race ends regardless of what happens, whether it has rained, whether you've had a red flag or what, it has to end. You could actually go through what happened at the spa, at the Belgian Grand Prix last year. I actually made a podcast about it. I titled it the Belgian Grand Prix that never happened because we raced for less than 10 laps in, at spa last year. It was raining and raining and raining and raining and the drivers couldn't race. Now, the race was supposed to begin at 3 p.m., I believe, Monaco time. So that meant it would have ended within three hours. You can do the math. So we spent about an hour waiting for the race restart. We had a red flag, you know, waiting for the damage to be cleared, the debris on the track to be cleared and all that. So all that took a lot of time. And yet in Monaco, you're supposed to wait for race for 78 laps, although we're doing 77 laps. So we had lost a lot of time. So instead of counting down the laps, we now had to count down the minutes left. And at that particular moment, we had only 30 minutes on the clock left for the Grand Prix to end. So I am going to start narrating what happened at the Grand Prix by counting down the minutes. That's how Formula One works. Now, 26 minutes left on the clock. Uh, Fernando Alonso was running in seventh place and was really, really fighting off Lewis Hamilton in eighth place. Thankfully, he kept his position from Lewis Hamilton. 20 minutes left on the clock, Charles Leclerc was really going after Max Verstappen. And you could feel it and you can understand why he was really going hard at him. Charles Leclerc started the race in pole position. He's a monogasque. And last year he was in pole position as well, but he never got to start the Monaco Grand Prix. This year he started, you know, it rained, there was a crash, and then somehow he finds himself in fourth place and everything is just not working the way he wants it to work. And you can feel the frustration. So 20 minutes left on the clock, he clock, sorry, he was really, really fighting for his life. At that particular moment as well, Sergio Perez had was 2.5 seconds ahead of Carlos Sainz Jr., who was also chasing him down. Now we're down to 15 minutes left to go. Now, London Norris is ahead of Fernando Alonso. Unfortunately, Fernando Alonso doesn't really have the pace. So London Norris pits and that helps him secure his sixth place. Now, 
11 minutes left on the clock to go. Sergio Perez, who's at the front of the grid, is struggling. His tires, he's on the medium tires, and they're beginning to wear out. And behind him is Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, who has been patient, just waiting to pounce on him. Seven minutes to go. The top four are being split by just two seconds. And remember, Sergio Perez's tires are gradually getting older and older and older. And Carlos Sainz is really fighting to get on him. Max Verstappen is also coming in close. And Charles Leclerc, not to forget Charles Leclerc, who really wanted... Obviously, he wanted to win the race. But at this particular moment, you know, he's not going to win the race. But he could, you know, finish on the podium at least for Monaco. Five minutes left in the clock. Sergio Perez is again fighting to defend his place. In fact, Carlos Sainz nearly almost collided with him at the hairpin uh, inside the Nouvelle Chicane. But unfortunately, all is well. Now, at the, at the, around that exact moment, so that should be about lap 60 with... Um, that much time left to go should be at a, around lap 60 with five minutes left to go. Now, anyway, at the back of the grid, Yuki Tsunoda goes off at turn one and thankfully nothing bad happens. Sergio Perez is really, really struggling with his tears at that particular moment. And Carlos Sainz, around um, Carlos Sainz almost hits the back of Sergio Perez's car. But he doesn't. Now, at the back of the grid, the cars that were about to be lapped obviously had to let the top four drivers go through. That was Joe Guanzu, Nicolas Latifi as well. They had to let the top drivers go through. Now, with less than five minutes to go, that was about lap 63. Sasha Perez's tires are really hurting, but he really needs this win. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Nelson Piquet, three-time Formula One world champion, said winning at Monaco is worth is where what is better than winning two grand two times at a, another grand prix circuit anywhere else i don't know whether i phrased that right but basically winning at monaco is such a big big thing so i can feel the tension i could feel what was in Sergio perez's heart well not everything but you know I, I couldn't imagine what it's like to win at monaco so anyway he's really fighting and the last time that we ever saw Sergio perez win a race was at baku which is one of my favorite grand prix and it's coming up was at baku last year so winning here was going to be that you know the it thing for him anyway we go on to the final lap so we made it to lap 64 and he's really giving it his best he's and guess what he gives it his all and eventually he wins the race and ladies and gentlemen that is how Sergio Perez won his very first Monaco Grand Prix I say won his very first Monaco Grand Prix because I think he could win another Monaco Grand Prix but it was beautifully done he was struggling with the tires carlos Sainz in the ferrari was on his back and you know ferrari is a prancing horse and for the car was doing good the driver was good so i was just like what anyway that is how he did it he pulled off and won the monaco grand prix anyway now here are your race results for the 2022 monaco grand prix in first place, for the very first time in his Formula 1 career, was Sergio Perez. He won the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. Carlos Sainz Jr. came in second for Ferrari. Max Verstappen came in third for Red Bull Racing. In fourth place was Charles Leclerc. In fifth place was George Russell. In sixth place was Lando Norris. In seventh place was Fernando Alonso. In eighth place was Lewis Hamilton. In ninth place was Valtteri Bottas. And in tenth place was Sebastian Vettel. 
Pierre Gasly finished 11th, Esteban Ocon finished 12th, Daniel Ricciardo finished 13th, Lance Stroll finished 14th, Nicolas Latifi finished 15th, Joe Guanzu finished 16th, and Yuki Tsunoda finished 17th. The rest were DNFs. Alex Albon had a DNF, Mick Schumacher had a DNF, and Kevin Magnussen had a DNF as well. Now, because of the Monaco Grand Prix, the driver's standings have changed as well. Leading the driver's standings is Max Verstappen with 125 points. Charles Leclerc comes in second with 116 points. Sergio Perez comes in third with 110 points. George Russell comes in fourth with 84 points. Carlos Sainz Jr. comes in fifth with 83 points. Lewis Hamilton comes in sixth with 50 points. Lando Norris is seventh with 48 points. Valtteri Bottas is eighth with 40 points. Esteban Ocon is ninth with 30 points. And to round up the top 10 is Kevin Magnussen with 15 points. Yuki Tsunoda is 11th with 11 points. Daniel Ricciardo is 12th with 11 points. Fernando Alonso is 13th with 10 points. Pierre Gasly is 14th with 6 points. Sebastian Vettel is 15th with 5 points. Alexander Albon is 16th with 3 points. Lance Stroll is 17th with 2 points. Joe Guanzu is 18th with 1 point. Mick Schumacher is 19th with no point. And Nico Hulkenberg is is 20th with no point and lastly is Nicolas Latifi in 21st place with no point as well. When it comes to the constructors standings, Red Bull Racing is leading with 235 points, Ferrari is in second place with 199 points, Mercedes is in third place with 134 points, McLaren is in fourth place with 59 points, Alfa Romeo is in fifth place with 41 points, Alpine is in 6th place with 40 points. Alpha 2 is in 7th place with 17 points. Haas Formula 1 team is in 8th place with 15 points. Aston Martin is in 9th place with 7 points. And Williams Racing is in 10th place with 3 points. With only 3 points. Now that is it from me for the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was fun. It was very unlike Monaco for all of this to go on. This I've never had a Monaco Grand Prix like such as this one. But it was worth it. I'm pretty sure the Red Bull Garage is jumping up and down. And everybody's really happy. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I will see you next time when we go racing at one of my favorite circuits. That is in Baku for the Formula 1 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Now, that will be from the 10th to the 12th of June. Thereafter, we'll be in Canada for the Canadian Grand Prix from the 17th to the 19th of June. And then Britain for the British Grand Prix. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you'd love to connect, please do not hesitate. My Instagram handle is Ruth. That is spelled as H-U-M-U-R-A underscore Ruth. On Twitter, my handle is at Formula One Amateur. And uh, my Instagram page for this podcast is ZF1 Amateur Podcast. If you'd love to send an email, please do. My address is mbabazruth77 at gmail.com. That is spelled as M-B-A-B-A-Z-I-R-U-T-H 77 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in. I will see you next time.